the Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny, which was a hit show from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Shondi Pasquale here with... Victoria Sheffield. That's right. And we are here to talk about season five, episode seven of The Nanny, called Mommy and May. A very problematic episode, <laughs> directed by Dorothy Lyman and written by Karen Lucas. And let's get into it. What was this one about? Yeah. Well, uh, this is the episode in which uh, Val and Fran meet a girl who they sponsored slash adopted in high school from Cambodia because she comes to New York and it causes a lot of issues between Fran and Val. Um, and this is something that you can still do today. I remember like my mom did it where you, I, I don't think it was called adopting. I think it was it's called not, sponsoring. No, where sponsoring. you would, yeah, where you would <laughs> send money to, to a family or a child in a much, uh, you know, less privileged area of the world. And you can still do it. Um, and, you would, you know, kind of be pen pals with this person. Um, and even though we're going to get into why this was a very typically problematic 90s era situation with this episode, this first scene had so many one-liners that killed me. I think this was maybe my favorite scene of the whole episode. Agreed. Um, in even, which, it, even just for the visual of Sylvia pulling yeah. peanut butter out of her purse, <laughs> yes, a full jar like, of peanut butter. It, <laughs> it, I think this might have been like one of the strongest scenes oh. in the whole series in terms of like joke for joke gag. But mm -hmm. so – Fran and Val, they're in the kitchen um, and Sylvia and Yetta come in and they're all sitting down for like coffee and cake. And I really was like, oh, I just want to like sit down for coffee and cake with people. But so um, Sylvia goes, oh, Franny, like I, I have a letter from you. It's from Cambodia. And then Yetta goes, Yetta goes, Cambodia, pack your bags. We'll hide her in Canada because she's <laughs> really thinking it's a draft letter. <laughs> um, and then so Sylvia starts rifling through her purse to find this letter and she starts taking things out and just like a bunch of bananas, a full jar of peanut butter. And then she finally finds the letter. And Fran's like, oh my God, Val, it's from May Lee, the, the orphan we adopted in high school for 17 cents a day. And then <laughs> Yetta, uh, still confused, goes, what a steal. Bell peppers are $4.50 a pound. <laughs> thinking that you're buying humans. Like we don't really know what's going on in Yetta's brain, but she's definitely confused. And then they find out that, that Maylee is visiting New York city and she's arriving tomorrow. Um, and, yes. um, which <laughs> is, is also a funny like beat because clearly that letter got there a long time ago. <laughs> like, because like the, the, I forget what the exact line is, but that's basically the implication is, is, friend reads the letter and she goes oh and i'll be arriving and she goes oh this is tomorrow <laughs> like, yes well the thing is she looks because then she looks at sylvia and sylvia goes well i just kept forgetting to give you the letter it was on the refrigerator door and i forgot and then fran goes that's because the refrigerator door is always open ma <laughs> <laughs> that's right. that's and and also in this scene you know uh for you know, uh, Sylvia kind of calls them like she calls you mushuganas, like you know, you crazy idiots, and mm -hmm. for for like having you know sponsored this this orphan all those years ago, and then Fran goes, "Ma, we're not mushuganas. That poor child came from a country where you had to scrape and scrap for every morsel of food." And then 
Fran tries to grab for a piece of cake and that Sylvia was going for, and Sylvia grabs it and goes, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Val, Val's like, this is, the, I think, one of the best lines and deliveries of this whole episode. So Val is like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're going to get to meet our daughter. I wonder which one of us she'll look like. And Fran, you know, kind of looks at her like, oh my gosh, like she's such an idiot because, because Val clearly is not understanding the basic concept of adoption. (laughs) And so Fran (laughs) leans over to Sylvia and goes, she has a good heart. And then without missing a beat, Sylvia goes, so does an archetroke. (laughs) <laughs> an artichoke, yeah. So does an artichoke. <laughs> so funny. It was yeah. such a good, like, one of the best lines in the series. <laughs> yes, it was so, and it was just delivered so perfectly. The timing was impeccable. Um, and then we cut to Mr. Sheffield's office for this kind of, like, throwaway B-plot that happens where, you know, basically Mr. Sheffield and Niles are kind of at each other's throats. And then they kind of get into this little competition over like who's the more masculine member of the household, which yes. which is pretty absurd because they're both completely not masculine. They're completely emasculated. <laughs> they're very, yes, they're, they're <laughs> sissies. Nothing wrong with it. But that's what, that's what we would have called them uh, back in the day. But so, um, and I also think, you know, it, we'll get into other things, but this plot line, I also, you know, wouldn't go over well now unless it was being super self-aware because, you know, it's two men fighting over who, who's the more manly one. Um, and I think now we're more accepting of like, yeah, you can, you can wear a purse or you can, you know, wear certain types of clothes and it doesn't sure. make you like less of a man. So, yes. so yeah, the, you know, I, that was something that I also was thinking when I saw this, but, um, then this was also an, a great gag. This was because, the highlight of this scene. <laughs> uh, so Cece comes in and she, you know, as we've said, she's pregnant. Now. Wow, my voice cracked. <laughs> she, you know, <clears throat> Lauren Lane is like pregnant this season. Um, and she comes in, she goes, oh, Maxwell, I was watching a rerun of Seinfeld and it's so absurd what they get away with. Elaine was pregnant and they just kept hiding it behind large bags and props and they didn't even address it. And she, meanwhile, is carrying this huge bag and then she turns and pivots and picks up a large giant plant in the office and turns back towards the camera. So it's like masking her belly and she goes, this needs water. And then she walks out. <laughs> it was so- such a weird, I mean, it was great, but it was a very meta, like self-referential bit of them busting their own chops about not addressing the fact that the actress playing Cece is clearly very pregnant with no explanation this season. Yeah. And I think that's a more fun way to do it. If you're like, you know what, like we've got to say, we got to address this somehow. Um, and it's going to start getting absurd. So let's, let's call ourselves out. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day, Fran and Val are, you know, at the Sheffield mansion and Mei Ling, uh, played by an actress named Jenny Kwan, she arrives and she's greeted by Fran and Val. And, um, you know, the first thing you notice about Mei Ling is like, she has this very like over the top accent. Um, and yes, which, which which shifts so much throughout the episode that by the end of the episode, I was like, oh, this actress clearly doesn't even speak with an accent. Like yes. she, there were a couple lines that she delivered where she just sounded like she was from the Valley. And I was like, oh, they made this girl put on like a, a like an accent. And it's like, all right, fine, whatever. But yes. And we'll- all of it, this was all, it, look, it was so patronizing the way Val and Fran talked to her and like they Though, infantilize this girl, they like hypersexualize this girl. Like 
it's just like they hit like every trope, like Asian trope that you can hit and stereotype. And it's just like, it's just like, it's, I mean, I get it. Like, but well, it's I, disappointing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what we can, when you watch stuff like this, you're like, wow, I'm so glad that like now, now there's, we, we know better. And that while it's still absolutely not perfect, there's so much better Asian representation on TV. And it's still there. We have a really, really long way to go. But like, you know, now there's actually like, you know, just a teenage girl who is being a teenage girl and happens to be Asian, you know, and like it does it's and I think or or a, you know, a show like um, what was that show that uh, Kim's Convenience, where if they are portraying like an Asian family, it's written, you know, like that was a show about a Korean family that was written by a Korean person that like actually explored a Korean life, like, you know, in America and like in a real way, not in like, uh, ha ha ha, this is so funny. Like they're so different. Yeah. Well, and I think like, you know, what, what this, uh, what this speaks to is just the larger phenomenon that like for, for the vast, vast majority of history in the entertainment industry. Um, and again, it's it's changing for the better, but it's that's very, very, very recent development. It was like white was default casting. And if you were like an Asian person or a Latinx person or anything, it's like you were mostly getting cast because that was your de- defining characteristic like for that episode. So like yes. you were an exchange student or like, you know, like you were whatever, well, you like were an, a, a Mexican gang members is, is was yes. a very popular one in the 90s. Like the so, only time you saw any like Latinx people was when they were being portrayed as like scary so and but what that meant was like there was so many talented american actors and actresses who happened to not be white who could only get like you you you, the most you could dream of was like getting a one episode part on a tv show where everyone else was white and so there was just like so much untapped talent and you know so many like opportunities that people didn't get to pursue and so this was this was the era where like that that was the norm and so Mm -hmm. um it's it's just like the sad reality of truly like most of the end of the history of Western entertainment, right? Yes. Um, and so it's like I think thank God it's starting to change more, and that now like kids who aren't white have more people on screens that look like them. Um, because it sounds you know we've all heard this before, but like it matters. It totally it matters to see yourself reflected. We've known that personally through like saying how much we loved seeing like. Uh, a Han- not Hanukkah, a Passover Seder, you know, like mm-hmm. something as simple as that um, can like. Well, and, and look, there's this show, and we've talked about this before too. This show traffics in Jewish stereotypes, but it's written and, and show run and created by a Jewish person. So it's not punching down. She's like, mm. she's making, you know, it's self, it's self deprecating in that sense. And like, that is okay. Like it works because of that. Just like in a show like Kim's convenience or, or, um, fresh off the boat, like, because it is written by the people that it is representing the, um, the the stereotypes or the over exaggeration of certain characteristics becomes more self deprecating and not punching down like they're just like talking mm-hmm. about things that and 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 maybe demystifying things that that are already like supplanted onto them you know it is it's just disappointing you just go like oh man they didn't have to do this you know yeah they didn't and have i think to write this episode <laughs> yeah we obviously love the show 
Val immediately starts screaming. Like, like Val immediately does the, like, this person doesn't speak my language, so I have to scream in their face to make them understand, which, which Fran does call out is like, you don't have to, like, scream at this person. Well, I you think, know? yes. And I think in, you know, as with a lot of things with this show, it's not all black and white. Like, the joke is that, like, Val's an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. people who do that are dumb, right? Yeah. And and it's silly. But so she's yelling at this. And to the point where Mei Ling goes, you must be Val, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and they don't play Mei Ling as, like, um, an unintelligent person, like, in any way. No. No, um, but so, so... Yes, Val's like, hello, welcome. And they're so excited to meet her. Like, they're just genuinely thrilled. But the thing is, it instantly starts to cause a rift between Fran and Val because they are competing for her love and attention. Um, And, you know, very much like, you know, Fran will be like, come sit, talk to your mother. And Val's like, uh, mothers. Uh, And they're kind of like fighting over who she's more alike. And I actually took this to kind of be more like a funny metaphor for like, the thing is some of the way that (laughs) the ways that they treat her, like that's, that's still how my Jewish family treats grown children in the family. Like they're the infantilization. Like I, part of me maybe, and maybe this was wrong and I was reading this wrong was reading it more as how some parents actually treat their children um but or or at least in my experience well, like yes it it just gets lost in their choice of like like they could have done this with a white orphan that they adopted you know what i mean and like yeah. that would have come through more but because it's also mm. playing off of like these asian stereotypes of like you know like again like you know young dumb like oh my goodness like you know what i mean like it's such Mm -hmm. a trope so Mm -hmm. like the like smiley cute asian girl who's just like a little kid in her little schoolgirl outfit or whatever so i think like i i i I get what you're saying and i do think that's what they were trying to do like clearly because of where the episode you know i mean it's whatever spoilers but like (laughs) val and fran end up fighting and and definitely echoing a married couple and then they go to couples therapy and so like the episode is definitely trying to play that game too, you know? But yes, yes. it just gets lost in like the mailing of it all. There was this very funny line in this scene though where Mailing goes, I can't wait to meet your husband. Where is he? And Fran goes, Hopefully he's at a very successful law firm or seeing a patient. Meaning <laughs> 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 like, I don't know, but he's hopefully a doctor or a lawyer. Yes. Um and then Sylvia and Yana enter and they're, or no, sorry. We then get to a completely different scene. I think the next yes. day and yes. Sylvia and Yetta are in the living room and Niles comes in and he goes, ladies, I haven't seen you in what half a day. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how did you get in? And Sylvia's like, you left the door open. And he's like, you had a key made. And she's like, mm, that might be it. Like he says <laughs> it like very, ca- like she it can't was- quite remember. <laughs> It was great that 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 was the highlight of like that was my favorite exchange this episode is and purely from the delivery Sylvia's like it was very rapid fire and then Sylvia's that last line she just says it so nonchalant like <laughs> maybe that was what it was like she yeah. forgot she had a key made to like their house it's so it's very yeah. very good. And then she goes, she goes, Niles, can you, can you wash my purse? I got some grease at it at the gas station. And then she goes from a burrito. (laughs) So it's not like car (laughs) grease. And then Fran and Val enter and I love Fran's suit. It's like this autumnal, like, like, it's just, 
it's this vibrant suit. I'm just like, oh my God, I love her outfits. They're so cool. Um, And then she and Val enter and everything seems fine. But then Maggie and Mei Ling come in and they are like ready to go out to a college party because they've clearly kind of like bonded as friends or like the same age. And Val goes to Yetta and Sylvia. She goes, meet my daughter. She just arrived. And Yetta goes, oh, I hope you had a cesarean. (laughs) Like somehow thinking (laughs) that this full grown woman came out of France. (laughs) She's so confused eternally. And then like the girls leave and Val says, um, and they were like kind of all dressed up, like super cute for a party. And Val's like, Oh, Fran, do you even know where she's going? And you know, I don't think she should go out dressed like that. She's she's dressed like a hooker. <laughs> and then Val goes, Val, that's my outfit. <laughs> Val goes, enough said. <laughs> and then this, like, I, I literally wrote down their fights word for word because they were so funny and so silly. And and but so Fran looks yeah, the, super the, offended. The Val Fran fight, like. Them, them at each other's throats was definitely the highlight of the episode for like for sure. And I'm glad that like we, I'm glad that they got us to, to this, to explore this. Cause it's very funny watching these two like fight with each other and like, try, you know, Val is, even though Fran is not the sharpest like tool in the shed, Val is so out of her league. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Like, well, well she goes, she goes enough. Wait, when, when Val goes enough said, like, you know, cause you know, oh, it's Fran's outfit. Fran, yeah. um, Fran looks really upset by that, and Val goes, "What? Like this is some big revelation?" And she goes, "And she goes, this is some big revelation. You dress like a tramp." And then Fran goes, instead of like uh, countering the tramp line, she goes, "You know what revelation means?" Which is kind of like the perfect <laughs> thing. Such a good dig, yeah. 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 And then, you know, Val's like, you know, you are always undermining me and you spoil her. And then you make me the bad guy. And then Fran's like, so what if I do? I can afford it. And then Val yells, it's not your money. You're the hired help. Mm-hmm. And then Fran's just like, well, you really learn a lot about a person when you have a kid with them. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I, I think like sort of what you were saying earlier, part of the place where this this episode could have done something different and it wouldn't have gone over the way it did is the joke is that like they're infantilizing a 19 year old because they are so delusional and self-involved that they're like, it's our daughter. But the problem is there is this very, very common, you know, trope and stereotype and thing that's just really been gross for so many decades of infantilizing, infantilizing Asian women in media. So, so it kind of together is not a good combination. And I exactly. think you're right. If she, if she had been like a Russian orphan or like, uh, I don't know, where are their white orphans? She could have been, well, I mean, especially in the 90s, she could have been from like the Czech, like the Czech Republic. Mm. Like she she could have yeah. been from, uh, I mean, even like the fall of the Berlin Wall, honestly, which like wasn't that true far from this era. So like, I feel like she could have, they could have easily done something like that or like, yeah, made her like a, you know, some like, Russian, some poor like Russian girl who like yeah, gave but money so to. I do think uh, think yeah, like that that is sort of where I think it it got muddy, uh, muddier than it needed to, and it could have gone out felt a little different. Um, but um, but so, so then, then we get uh, the return of I forget the character's name, but it's Spalding Gray as the Doctor Miller, yeah, Doctor Miller, well, right? Yes, because Fran and Val decide they need to go to couples counseling after this fight. <laughs> This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, but I wrote Val is so good in this scene because so good. Fran is like, you know, Dr. Miller, we've been friends since kindergarten. And I just think I've clearly outgrown her. And Val's like, 
See, she always acts superior and I'm getting damn tired of it. And then, you know, I thought some of these grievances were like actually really interesting and valid for these friends who have known each other to air, to, to known each other for years to air, because basically, you know, Fran's like, I have put up with this idiot and I defend her constantly when people call her stupid. And Val's like, no, you just act superior to me all the time. And, you know, I defend you all the time too. And it just culminates in Fran hitting Val with a pillow and screaming she's suing for full custody. Because <laughs> 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 again, like they, they really like, uh, I actually think of, of everybody in the episode Fran and Val come off as the biggest idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, they do. They do. Um, but so then we cut to Sylvia's apartment. Oh, wait, and wait, oh no, wait! Don't miss the best. The best part of that scene, though, is 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 it's the button Fran- out. Where, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. Val goes. Huh. Well, don't worry. She'll be back. I drove her here, and she has my keys. <laughs> <laughs> Not really realizing that means Fran's clearly going to drive her car oh, and it, abandon. Uh, I wasn't even talking. I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about Fran frustratingly screaming at Val in response to something Val says about Mr. Sheffield. I'm just his nanny. And then the doctor very excitedly going, congratulations, Fran. You just got over your denial. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. And he's like, he gets his delivery was great because he's genuinely excited. Like they've made progress, but like clearly they haven't. And Fran could care less about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so then we cut to Sylvia's apartment and she's literally digging through a bag of candy and putting the candies in her purse when Fran busts in sobbing. And she's, and and Sylvia's like, darling, I I can't talk right now. Like your father and I are going to the movies. And if we don't get there right at three, we won't get the free jalapeno nachos. (laughs) But then Fran is just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And she's finally like, okay, what is it? And then she's like, it's over. We split up. And and before, before Fran says this, Sylvia's (laughs) like, darling, like nothing is ever as bad as it seems. What happened? And that's when Fran says, it's over. We split up. Sylvia clutches her heart, screams, and sits down and goes, I'm having heart palpitations. Quick, get me my medicine. And then Fran, while sobbing, this is such a good moment, runs to the fridge. And Fran, like, she runs to the fridge like a child who has had to do this many times in her life. And instead of grabbing medicine, grabs chocolate sauce and and a chocolate syrup and a spoon. And (laughs) and Sylvia. <laughs> she like pours it on the spoon and like feeds it to herself like it's cough medicine. <laughs> it's like so shakily, funny. shakily pours it, and then she goes. She's like, <sighs> like, kind of like it's, and then she goes, okay, tell me what happened. And I'm like, it's just so funny because you definitely know that like Fran and her sister probably had to do this like constantly growing up. Give me my medicine. So good. and Fran, and the thing is. Sylvia clearly thinks that Fran is talking about Mr. Shafiella, you know, because mm-hmm. Fran's like, you know, we have irreconcilable irre- differences and even Dr. Miller says so. But so then when Sylvia finds out that it's actually Val, her fa- the look on her face is so perfect. She just She's goes- so aggravated. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so unamused. And she just goes, I'm missing jalapeno nachos for that moron. And she's like, what the hell do you and Val have to fight about? And then this is where I actually started feeling really bad for mailing. <laughs> because then um, Fran goes, well, it all started, you know, because we were fighting over Mei Ling. And then, and then Sylvie goes, 
That's the problem. First, she busts up your friendship with Val. Then it's going to be your relationship with Mr. Sheffield. Because we kind of established earlier that Sylvia has been very suspicious of Mayling's presence at the mansion, probably because she sees her as like this beautiful younger woman who is now in their orbit. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you know, always on the on the prowl for threats to her, her daughter's safety in yes, that, too. in that relationship. And, you know, in that, uh, gold digging situation and <laughs> Fran, Fran's like, and you know, to Fran's credit, she's like, mom, she's 19 years old. And, and Mr. Sheffield's basically her foster father. And, sure. and I actually, you know, I appreciated that Fran was like, no, like that's absurd. Like she's, yeah. she's 19. Like, no. And then, and then Sylvie goes, well, what do you, what were you doing at 19? And Fran's like, well, that's different. I was very mature for 19. I was 24. <laughs> um, but then, <laughs> then we get a very problematic Sunni well, joke. <laughs> well, yes. Well, well, this is actually where I was flagging some sort of, there's interesting kind of nuanced discussion around all this because, because then, then Sylvia goes, Two words for your baby, soon ye. <laughs> Basically being like, well, look what happened to me, a pharaoh. And and I think what, what I noted it's on so this- It's messed up, dude. It's well, such a messed up joke. Well, first of all, it's no, putting but- the onus for Woody Allen- Essentially, you know, brainwashing and 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 sexually assaulting his, and then marrying his uh, stepdaughter um, on her. Like like soon, Yi was somehow like the problem there. I, you know, and again, I I don't think that I, I don't think that I would have I, I didn't know better at the time either. But that's not an excuse. I should have. Like we all should have. We should have been better listeners we should have been more curious we should have been more empathetic so like i see it as a failing of the time and and yeah obviously using that knowledge now we we can only hope to do and be better like yeah well that's for sure that's for sure like i'm so glad that now we see a joke like that and we're instantly like, oh my gosh, that's so unfair and cruel to a victim. Not the, you know, obviously the 16 year old was on a home record. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I Not think to it's, mention I, that that also plays into a racist stereotype about Asian women because that's why people were saying that about Sun Yi at the time. It was the mm-hmm, idea that like mm-hmm. this young, hypersexualized Asian lady came into Woody Allen's life and he just couldn't resist her like feminine wiles, and and that's what Sylvia is essentially implying here is like you know up oh, here's another like sexy Asian girl who's going to come in and wreck a home. It, it it's. My literal note was, was there's so many levels of problematic to this soon you joke. I don't even know where to start. And then there's, so then we get another, we move to back to well, the mansion, Fran, right? Well, this gets in Fran's head. Much yes. as so many, you know, absurd things that Sylvia has said recently, this gets in Fran's head. So she rushes back to the mansion and she's now like convinced that Mr. Sheffield has something going on the side with Mei Ling. And it's like, and she just like rushes in and she's like, mm-hmm. She's like, be honest with me. Because he's like, you know, going through his mail in the foyer or something. And she's like, are you having an affair with Mei Ling? And he like literally looks at her like, are you kidding? And he's like, are you insane? And she's like, I've never been this sane in my entire life. And then she th- throws off her coat. And she goes, or this thin. Thank you very much. That's, <laughs> and- that's uh, such a good line. I love that line. And I love the delivery too. But I like when I like, I don't know what you would call that, but I like that style of joke, you know? Yeah. I've never been, you know, like, 
I don't even know how to, you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah. Like that style of joke where you like say like, a, like a character like says a thing that makes sense and then like is able to, to like <laughs> also pull in like, a, I, I don't know, like a non sequitur almost. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like a very pointed, confident, completely unrelated point that she just clearly is like, <laughs> and, it, and it contributes to this argument. Somehow. <laughs> yes. um, but so, and he, and he's like, he, he basically responds by just swooping her up in his arms and kissing her passionately yes. to sort of be like, that is absurd. I'm into and you. Then, this is absurd. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he goes, he's like, I can't believe you thought that. Like, you know, she's 19 years old. And then he's like, and I'm not some horned up 16 year old boy. And then both of their eyes widen and they're like, yeah. Brighton. Because <laughs> they realize like, oh my gosh, this beautiful teenager has been living in our house and we have a horned up 16 year old boy. So they run up the stairs and they find Brighton and Mei Ling uh, making out on his bed and they jump apart. But then it's revealed that they were engaged and that Mei Ling wants a green card. <laughs> And, because, and um, I just put I put my notes <laughs> my notes at this point is just a sad face. <laughs> I just well, wrote, I think it would have been it would have been nice if like Fran had just like defended mailing more and been mm-hmm. like so what if she you know because that's essentially what you know Fran essentially wants a green card to wealth like through marriage right like that's well, all that like, is yeah so it's, it's just, like I wish she'd been more like oh like. Ooh, game seems game. Like I support this, you know. Like even that would have been like such a fun little turn, right? If it's like, well, like it would have been you- a little better, yeah. But well, because you know- Fran would be the woman who is coming to marry someone for a green card if she was like just herself, but not from the states. Like that's all Fran talks sure. about is marrying for money and sure. um or for and and granted, you know, there's a whole other layer to this, which is. Not just marrying for money, but marrying to uh, just have a better life or better opportunity when you come from uh, right, a much right. less privileged place, you know? Yeah. Which is why, like, yeah, for sure, this scene would have been softened by Fran, at least, defending Mei Ling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, um, but it also could have been a much better scene by just having Mei Ling have any other motivation. Like, like yes. any human motivation outside of like the most g- base, generic, stereotypical, like she's not from here, so she wants a green card. Yeah. Like, womp, yep. womp, womp. And, um, uh, and then the this fun- was also the scene where I was like, the, this actress clearly doesn't speak in an accent. Like, because at this point in the episode, she's just speaking, like, she just doesn't sound like she's talking broken English at all anymore. Yeah. Hey, maybe uh, her week in the States has really softened the accent. It was was kissing Brighton. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But so then the final scene, it's like the next day and we – we established that, you know, Fran has said Mei Ling has to go because of this green card business because uh, she clearly feels used. And Val comes in devastated and they hold each other and they're like, I'm sorry. No, I'm so sorry. And they're like, what? How did we raise a child to do this to us? You know, basically like they're feeling like, you know, Mei Ling didn't come because of love. She came because she wanted something. And then Mei Ling comes down the stairs with a suitcase and they really do kind of play this in a way that I, I guess I wasn't expecting which i i did was relieved they're they're more acting like the ultimate jewish parents and she's more just like the kid that she's like are you really gonna stay mad at me forever and they're like like they can't even respond and she's like Uh okay i'm going and they're like and then she goes i'm almost at the door and then fran's like you know 
I can't believe you. You you broke you broke up. You know, she says you almost broke up me and your mother. We can't even look at you. And she's <laughs> like, well, okay, but if you do want to talk to me, you can call me at my new friend's house. His name is Jason. He lives with his mother, Miss Barbara Streisand. And then she's like, well, goodbye, Miss Fine, Miss Toriello. And then they just look at her and they go so formal with your mothers and like take her into an embrace. Um, Yep. Yep. And then the very, the button on this was sort of that just like running throwaway plot, which is Niles is helping Yetta with something like buying some magazine subscriptions off her. And so she's so happy. She kisses him on the mouth, which puts lipstick on his lips. And then he passes Mr. Sheffield and Mr. Sheffield looks at him like, <gasps> and then he's like, what? And then keeps walking like, cause it's that little throwback to like, who's the more masculine one in the house. But it, it was a very, it was so minor. I almost forgot about that whole plot. I did like her calling him Neil. Yes. I thought that was funny. Yes. She, she just... goes, like, Neil, thank you so much. Um, so that is that episode. Um, and again, I, I do not I, – I would never cancel – I mean, I think they would have to so – things would have to go wildly, wildly askew in the next two seasons for us to, like, cancel them in our hearts and minds. But, yeah, yeah you just – you would just hope that, you know, now they would look at this and and go, oh, I can yeah. I can see what I, what I would have done differently. Um, yeah. And, and – that's it. So now, mm-hmm. what is it's time for segments? Uh, and now, favorite. segments. Oh, yeah. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> You almost stepped right over the segments theme. I, I forgot it was coming. I was going to say, I think I might have slightly stepped on it, so we might need to play it again. <laughs> okay. All and right. now, segments. I'm keeping both in. I'm talking over this one. So, <laughs> segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move no, on to segments. Like to say, we can move on to our segments. This is already too long. And now, Segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. All right, favorite. <laughs> this, this, is, this is what happens when you give us new technology. We just abuse it. <laughs> Speak All for right, yourself. Favorite, uh, favorite lines and moments. Uh, she has a good heart. So does an artichoke. So does an artichoke. So does an artichoke. What a great joke, right? Oh, so, so clean. Good. Um, Sylvia taking out those bananas and peanut butter. Oh, the peanut butter, I guffaw. I was like, why? Um, peanut butter. Again, Sylvia finding out that Fran and Val had sponsored an or had adopted an orphan for 17 cents a day and goes, what a steal. <laughs> she, um, we hit a lot of I mean we hit a lot of mine because they were like big parts of the episode but also like the funniest parts you know S- Sylvia's reaction screaming I'm having palpitations and then getting chocolate syrup and a spoon for her medication uh, you know we talked about I've never been more sane or this thin in my life mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of what else and 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 we also broke down the Nile Sylvia how did you get in you made a key exchange which was also like mm, that might have been it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And for Yiddish, we have mashuganas, which means crazy, yeah. which we, we get. We get before though, right? Mm-hmm, for sure, yeah. for sure. And then for Nini trivia, um, I want to just do a little deep dive into Jenny Kwan, the actress who played Mei Ling, um, and just kind of give her a little TLC as like an artist and a performer, um, mostly because of everything that we talked about. It's just like it sucks that these American actors and actresses that weren't white, like had to fight for the shittiest random roles, you know, that, that, you know, and, and so the thing is she is born and raised in LA. So you're right. Um, Mm -hmm. the accent was not, it actually probably was uh, from the Valley. I literally was like, she sounds like she's from the Valley. (laughs) Yes. She, yeah. Okay. So she's born and raised in LA. Um, and she's probably best known on camera for her role in California Dreams, which was like a Save by the Bell-esque teen sitcom that aired Saturday mornings on NBC in the 90s, early 90s. Um, but really, like, she's really made a career and like a prolific career as a voiceover artist. Um, she's done so many cartoons, so many video games. Like, you just like go to her IMBD and it just like, goes on and on and on. Um, And, you know, some of the most well-known stuff she's done, she's done like Avatar, The Last Airbender video game. She's done a Witcher video game. She's a Ghostbusters one, lots of cartoons. And she appears at like a lot of conventions because of her work in like the video game world. And then this was interesting. She was the leading role in Miss Saigon when the Broadway show first did a national tour in the 90s, which is like a very big role. Um, A very, you know, it's like that was a huge show. So she also sings, right? And it's kind of cool because um, I was listening to um, some interviews with her and she talks about like kind of how she got into acting and being a professional actor. And she was discovered on a plane, which makes it kind of perfect for the nanny, which also has its origins Mm -hmm. on like a plane plane meeting, right? So it's not like a complete like, oh, you know, someone just saw her and was like, you should be in the picture. It's like, but because she, she was part of this kind of like performing arts group for kids where they like sang and dance and they had just gone to New York to to travel. Uh, sorry, they had just gone to New York to perform. But it's not like she was, she was like, I was like a total kid. Like I wasn't going on auditions. I wasn't trying to get an agent or anything like that. I just mm. was like, you know, liking to sing and dance. Um, and that also became something that I was doing like, you know, in mm. this capacity. And she's like, so we were on the airplane going back to LA and there happened to be an agent on the pl- on the plane. And she's like, wow. I had fallen asleep. And I was she's like, I was literally like drooling and like wasn't like, you know, thinking of anything, ex- you know, professionally. And I woke and she's like, my older sister, who's my chaperone, like nudged me and was like, there's an agent on the plane. And she's like, I looked up and she's like, and all the other kids in my group were literally like basically like juggling and doing car w- wheels in front of this person, <laughs> oh like God. to try to get their attention. And she's like, my sister was like, you should go talk to them. You should go talk to them. So she's like, so I went and she's like, you know, I wasn't, she's like, I was kind of reserved. I like, wasn't really in the zone of like, I'm going to be like outgoing kid. Right. But the woman was like, so do you want to be an actor? And she's like, I literally just kind of shrugged. Like, I don't know. And then the woman's like, well, would you want to maybe take some acting classes and then be an actor? And she was like, that's, she was like, when I heard that, I was like, Ooh, yeah. Like that sounds interesting. She's like, I didn't know there were like acting classes really. And she was like, but kind of learning about it was and being and doing something that was like a class was actually way more up my 
like way more my speed at that age. So mm-hmm. they like exchanged information with this person and and that's literally like how she got her agent, right? Which is she didn't audition, yeah. she didn't do the grueling like you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to, you know, uh take all these classes to pay just to be seen in front of an agent. And then also I, you know, looked at her website and she she doesn't like ha- include anything about like her ethnicity or anything. It's just like born and raised in LA. And I have a feeling that's probably by design because it is uh-huh. like, I, you know, I'm, I'm an American person. I, you can cast me as anything. You don't have to like tailor, you don't only have to consider me for roles that are token Asian people. Um, okay. And that doesn't yeah. need to be like my qualifier. And so, but that's a little about uh, this actress who, who's truly been working like very consistently um, as a voiceover for many years now. Cool. That's really awesome. I mean, I'm glad we did that too, because I do feel like, especially character actors like this, you know, she's, she's would be considered like a character actor. It's like those, those people do tend to get, and, and especially when, when character actors are people of color, they do tend to get like very typically typecast. So it's cool Mm -hmm. to see that she had like a pretty, sounds like a pretty varied career, uh, at least in the, the voiceover roles and stuff that she got. So that's cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, for who you related to, I actually related to the Val. In oh, that, why? Tell me. So I feel like I'm pretty easygoing with my friends, and not I wouldn't not like you and Tom, but like I would say like other my other groups of friends. And mm-hmm. to the point where I I'm totally fine at being the butt of the joke. Like I'm totally fine at like. Oh, that's such a Tory thing. That's such a classic thing. And then when other people do silly stuff or like are clumsy or whatever, like I just don't mention it because like I'm, it just isn't really like that big a deal to me. But I'm like sometimes I I do really feel as though everybody else is just as clumsy or just as forgetful or just or whatever. But I get the like oh that's so Toria of it all. And I'm like no, it's just that like we've become accustomed mm-hmm. to be like that's such a Toria thing. When like literally the other day we I was walking with Monica and she literally ran headfirst into a tree. But like <laughs> but like I you know like truly that happened. But yeah, like if that happened to me, it would be like such a classic Toria. And I'm like no, you do <laughs> shit like that all the time. <laughs> but uh, who well, did I you? Mean, I guess to? if that's the case, then I related to Fran because I am far superior to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You know, slut. this one was a tough one. Yeah, and I'm a and I'm a slut. <laughs> yep. Um, this was a tough one because there wasn't really. I, I mean, I I didn't really relate to anyone in this episode. I guess you know. I mean, I guess again, Brighton because I definitely would have made out with a cute girl that was living <laughs> in my true. house when I was 16, <laughs> or at least wanted to. <laughs> true. Uh, I believe yeah, that. But yeah. I don't know. This this was a tough one because there wasn't really, you know, there wasn't much B plot to pull from. Um, I though I guess I do love bananas and peanut butter, so I guess Sylvia this week. (laughs) Yeah, I also always need to have food with me, so I yeah I agree. You're always Uh, okay. Well, that's an episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. You know where to find us at Oh Mister Chef Pod. Send us those emails, and you know we're interested. We're super interested to hear your thoughts on all of this. That's why we do this. So so email message give us some insights or thoughts or whatever you know especially Um, for this episode i would i would love to see the discourse on instagram or or wherever it happens i'd I'd love to see people's opinions and their takes on on all of this stuff uh as long as they're you know obviously just be respectful but our (laughs) audience is pretty pretty yeah yeah 
Um, okay. Um, well, have a it. great week. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. And we'll, we won't see you. I mean, we won't hear you, but you'll hear us next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Anyway, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>